last week. Uh, you had people tell you they missed the womp womps from the PGF? Yes. <laughs> I get it. I, I've seen that a few times. Uh, it's that crazy. The womps aren't ca- happening. Yeah, it's crazy how people lack... Like what becomes a thing in a community, right? <laughs> no, <it's funny>. Like <laughs> the PGF season one fans want to hear us say "womp womp womp," and it makes them super chat. It makes them give money into the chat. <laughs> That's wild. All right, I'm gonna adjust the volume on this just a little bit. We're a little coming in a little hot, hot on the mic. All right, what's up, everybody? Instagram Live is popping over here, Jones. Hey, guys. Look at that. Who There goes some womp womps in the chat. <laughs> um, Jason Ramos, that's who I wanted to see. That's, our, that's my boy from New Jersey. All right. It's one of my boys from New Jersey. I got multiple friends in New Jersey now. I'm, You're so you know, popular. I'm so cool. I'm, Jason, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to con Randy into coming down here next week while Fobby's here because she would be able to get some great work in with her. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Drew Chokes Legs. That's pretty funny. That's a good name. Hmm. Drew Chokes Legs says, do you still have a website? <laughs> oh, yes, I do. BrandonMC.Ninja. Check it out. Loving this season of the PGF. Appreciate it. A lot of people jumping in. All right. Nice. A couple of womp womps. I see Wallow in the <laughs> chat. Okay. I guess before anything else happens, we need to do the theme song. Oh, Yeah. All right, we've been working pretty hard on this one. <laughs> Lindsay. Uh, we've been working pretty hard on this one. I spent uh, I spent over a year writing this. Okay. So It's good, guys. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. <laughs> it's really... I've, I'm just going to sing it, and I'm just going to... You just let your art be out there. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. Dun 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 a podcast. Dun 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 a podcast. Dun dun dun. Okay, that I don't know. I'm just kidding. I was that was like Mario. Yeah. Um, it started being Mario for some reason, but it was the Dungeon Mario, which is the preferable <laughs> song. So at least I went with that. <clears throat> anyway, welcome to the show. So we got a bunch of questions, and what we're gonna do? Answer the questions. Is just answer the questions. So. Uh, no, that's request. We do not want request to join right now. We want the questions. Where are those? There they go. Okay. Okay. Question number one. Lindsay, mm-hmm. we're going to go with you right here. Okay. I'm going to let you answer this one. You're a big eggs eater. Scrambled or sunny side up? Okay. So I do scrambled, but there's a reason why. Because I don't want to take the time and effort to do any other kind of eggs I just (laughs) I don't cook and so like like, usually by the time that I'm ready to like sit down and cook it's like I'm hangry haven't had any calories like just got back from training and so it's like eggs just mix them up that's just the easiest way so I'm not like it has to be scrambled I mean if somebody else wants to cook eggs for me And they're going to make them however they want to make them I'm okay with that But if I'm making them They're going to be scrambled It's quick and easy Right If I'm making my own eggs It's over easy every time Okay Are you? So is that the one with the runny yolk? It's runny But I cook it on both sides Okay Yeah Yeah Dude I opened that's an good. egg that had two yolks the other day I'm thinking that's good luck 
And I, if it's not, don't tell me otherwise. No, I think that you'll be a superhero soon. Okay. Did you eat it? Yes, I did. Oh, my gosh. Double egg power. <laughs> <laughs> Double yolk. <laughs> All right. So uh, that's a good question. I like, I don't love eggs. I, ha- I can only eat eggs like after lunch. If I eat eggs and that's the first thing on my stomach, it feels weird. This is a real question. Okay. <laughs> All right. So this is Open Matt Yogi. I don't know if you know that guy or not. That's Kirk. Oh, okay. I know him. (laughs) All right. How do each of you handle the stresses of living and working together? Love y'all. Okay. All right. You get to go first. Um, I don't really think there's a whole lot of stress about it. Brandon and I are best friends, so like, he's really cool to hang out with. We're best friends. Uh (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know, like our um. Our personality types really mesh with each other. What's that book that we read that was Rocket Fuel? Rocket Fuel. Yeah. So it was talking about how, like, there's an integrator and, uh, what was he, innovator? I don't remember what word innovator. he uses, but it's like dreamer. Like, the, okay. I, the big idea yeah. and dream, live in the clouds. Uh, I live in the clouds. My head's in the clouds. I'm useless on land. Like, I really, I can't do anything. Yeah. But... She doesn't live in the clouds. She lives in the dirt. She's down here getting her hands dirty, and, like, she likes to work. And yeah. I like to have a great idea. Dream. And and then let it go and then have another big idea. Like, I don't know. I'm just, like, hopping from cloud to cloud. But that, yeah. when we understand each other, like, when we try to take the time to understand one another, I really feel like that's a great way to be. Right. And that's like our parenting styles, too, are really complimentary like that, too. Like, Brandon's the hugger and the, like, let's talk this out. Like, let's, what brought you to this conclusion, you know, and having discussions with the children. And I'm like, give me that PlayStation. You're never going to see it again, you know. And and so. (laughs) The children refer to you as a dragon. How does that make you feel? I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Keller Keller was describing you the other day as a. I like to picture mom as a giant dragon dragon circling a village and breathing fire down onto the people. That's what he said. Kind of like Khaleesi. We're like almost the same person. No, 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 no. no I'm, I'm an actual Ka- dragon. I'm Khaleesi. You're the dragon. I'm riding the dragon, oh, okay. burning down the villages. You're the dragon. Oh, okay. That's a that's pretty dope. I'm okay with that. In his analogy, they love me too. I'll I'll give them hugs and cuddles. Too. No, they worship you because they're afraid of you. <laughs> that's the that's the uh, that's why the people worship I the dragon. With fear. L- l- it's important. You gotta have that. Side. You gotta have yeah. some fear. That's respect. But yeah. So I think our personalities are just so like complimentary that it's not really stressful. I will tell a story, though. So it's a story time with Lindsay. I don't know. So so at the very beginning of our marriage, we got married when we were 20 years old, people. Okay. And we're about to have our 20-year anniversary in a couple months uh, in May. So I can't even remember why I was mad at you, but I got mad and I hid all of Brandon's underwear. (laughs) <laughs> I remember. So 
uh, yeah, so like that was his punishment. And so like he was like, Lindsay, wear my underwear. And I was like, I hid them. And um, <laughs> so I kind of wanted you to go find them. I thought that would be funny to watch you look for them. But anyway, you were like, Lindsay, okay, do you want to have a good marriage? And I was like, of course I want to have a good marriage. And so you were like, well, you have to tell me when things are wrong. Like you can't just expect me to read your mind about things, you know, because I was that, well, if you don't know what's wrong, then that's your fault. You should just know. You know, because I was 20 years old. And so um, I was like, okay, you want us to communicate with each other. That's okay. how they do it in the in the movies and that the books. That makes sense. Like, <laughs> let's actually, oh, I should tell you that I'm upset and tell you why. That, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so ever since then, I was like, okay, he wants to know what's wrong. And like, I'll just tell you when I'm upset. Yeah. And I'll give him warnings too. Like, okay, today... I'm, this thing happened and I'm kind of stressed. So like if you, if my reactions are not exactly like you anticipate them to be, like that's something's why. Something's up. Yeah, something's yeah. up. So I'll tell him, you know, if something happened that day and, you know, things are just a little off. So and he can expect. I'll tell you what was really great for me. Um, we read this book called the five love the five love languages i can't i never remember the name of the author which is terrible because it's been a really impactful book on my life so uh i can recommend that book to you guys the five love languages in the podcast description like when this actually goes on to spotify and apple and all that i'll add a link to the book in there yeah i'm gonna make you a note This is. Did you guys see that? That's a, that was that was in action. How our relationship works. Oh, you know what would be a really good idea to add a link. Okay, but I would have. I wouldn't have remembered that. I would have made some promise to you guys. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes, and I recognize that that he was not going to remember. So. I turned mine down. I think I'm uh, just a little too loud. Shocking. <laughs> Can you believe that? But a lot of that comes after, like, I mean, you know, I can anticipate what he's going to need because we've been married for 20 years. I mean, we pretty much so. Okay, Bruce Stevens made a post the other day, and it was um, they were he and his wife, Rhonda, were super young. And he was like hugging her from behind. And he said something about like the boy behind her that she helped raise. And, you know, a lot of people like kid about that. Oh, you're raising your husband or you have three kids, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I'm like. Yeah, I know Brandon hates that, but we we grew up to we didn't raise each other. I hate but when we, people try to demean men. Uh, the the man in the relationship like that, yeah. or or what? I don't like that's true. Like I was twenty. We've known each other since we were ki- literally since we were kids. Yeah, we were sixteen years old, or I was seventeen. You were fixing to turn seventeen. Fixing to uh, for those of you that are from other places. Fixing to He's means about to. I am something is going to happen now. Not, well, not now, soon. <laughs> fixing to. It's fixing to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and that that got a lot of hearts. That I, we should probably have a section of the show where I define the words that I say to yeah. people who aren't from Alabama. It's a Southern dictionary. <laughs> really, to people who aren't from Lawrence County, because yeah. there's a difference between Alabama and Lawrence County. Alabama. Right. Because we only lived maybe 15 minutes from each other when we were kids. And he'll he'll say something sometimes, and I'm like, what? Still. So I tell him about the... 
well, the last one. <laughs> we'll, we'll do that soon. Okay. Let me. I want to go back and actually continue to answer this oh, yeah, uh, about the five love languages, just because I, I do think it's so important. Um, and I'll just give you kind of an overview, a very, very brief overview. Each person, so like my love language, I like words of affirmation and I like praise and like tell, I need you to tell me that you love me all the time. And that's not just from you. That's how I understand that someone loves me. Just however I'm built or whatever different traumas and praises that I've had along the way shaped me into, I understand that you love me when you tell me and and give me those real words like that. Mm-hmm. That means a lot to me. But that's not necessarily everybody's love language. That's not necessarily how you understand love. Right. Some people, uh, the giving of gifts, that's their love language. Like mine's quality time. Yeah. Like- and, and some people, it's sexual fulfillment is how they understand love. And, you know, anyway, this book is the five love languages. And when you spent like when we, we went through a workshop with it together, not because I just think it's important to like maintain your marriage, not just. Well, but anything that go you're, when it's broken, you're not, wanting to get good at, like jujitsu, for instance, you don't just you're not just satisfied with your level of knowledge. Like you watch instructionals, right? So same thing with your marriage. Like you don't, you're not satisfied with your status quo. Like I want to be better at this. And so you research and you study and you learn other people's perspectives. And you learn learn other people's moves. Like, oh. I'm stealing that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that guy, he, that family, they have a a family night every Tuesday night. Oh, what a great idea. What do they do? Just sit around and watch a movie? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And we did that one time. So um, we we saw a very successful family, and we had not had kids. I think we were pregnant with Keller at the time. Yeah, shout out to uh, Tom Irwin and Robin Irwin. Right. So we went to their house one night, and so they had three daughters. They were a super close family. You know, you could definitely tell that they were— a very close-knit family unit. And so we just went and we asked them questions. We're like, how are you guys so close? What do you do, you know? And, um, yeah, we just wanted to, like, steal their moves. And they they told us that they had something that they all did together. So all three girls played softball. Dad was coach. Mom was at every game and just, you know, cheering everybody on. But that was something that they all had in common together. And so we were like, okay, we're going to do that. And we all four did jiu-jitsu for a long time together. Yeah, and we kind of still do. Keller rolled in here on Saturday and got some rounds in. Yeah. So, yeah, our son is is about to be 16, and Keller, and he doesn't love jiu-jitsu. Mm-mm. But he loves us. Right. And so he'll come and he'll spend some time. Because it's I tell him, you know, it's important to me that you stay connected to what the family does. You don't have to be a black belt. You don't, I don't care if you're a black. You don't have to be a purple belt. You kind of need to be a blue belt. You kind of need to get a blue belt. But, uh, you know, you don't have to be a world champion. You don't have to be good. But the time, this is what our family does. Mm -hmm. And that will resonate with them. You know, even if it's it's the same thing as, hey, we're all going to go. Hey, we have picnics every Saturday. Well, we have open mat every Saturday. Yeah. You know, he can slide in there for that. And and, uh, I appreciate that, of course. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and you guys are playing chess together and stuff now, maybe. 
yeah, we're playing a lot of chess together now, a lot. I'm not doing that good. <laughs> I'm not doing good with the chess. How does that man. make you feel? <laughs> uh, kind of bad just because it's losing to my son. Yeah. But also not that bad because I've put very little time into getting good at chess over the years. And so I know he's actually like interested in it and I can see him setting me up and there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. It feels like he probably feels rolling with me. Like, oh. What an amateur. Yeah. <laughs> like Keller can't even see these setups coming, dude. And I'm just giggling. Like, ha ha, I'm throwing this little kid around. He's doing that to me in chess right now. Mm. I did beat him the very first game and I thought about I thought about it for a split Quitting. second going, I'm never going to play him again. Uh, he just, he didn't, he didn't put enough respect on my name in the first game. And I hadn't got close to him since. He's beat, he beat my tail every, every game since then. Yeah. So, yeah. You can kiss my butt, Keller. <laughs> if you're listen, you ever listen to this, I know you won't. Like, Probably why would not. I want to hear like, him more? I have to listen to my parents all the time anyway. Yeah. Why would I do it extra? No. Um, so yeah, anyway, that was a great question. And you know, part of that question actually was how do you guys work together too? Like we live together, we train together, we work together, and then we actively try to spend time with each other. Not beyond, talking about work. Yeah, beyond that too. Like how like what's the secret to that? And because I think that's probably more of our problem is that we we like we could talk about work. 24-7. Yeah. yeah that, you know? And honestly, that's a struggle for me because I like the work that I do. Like, I know you do too, but you know how I am, dude. I'll get fired up and I'll just, just go until the energy runs out and I crash. Yeah. And so I can talk about the things that I'm excited about and I can do the things that I'm excited about like that all day, every day. Yeah. And uh, Lindsay, well, I, won't, I don't want to speak for you to these fine folks here, but she likes to have note like dead time, like it's over. Yeah. Once I so. hit the couch in the evenings, that's couch time. And yeah. I don't want to move from the couch. Dude, and, <laughs> so. and God help us if that robe goes on and oh, you try to talk man. to her, mm -mm. settle robe, down. Robe in addition to couch time, that's over. Yeah, that's it's what like access to Lindsay denied. <laughs> all, yeah, all access denied. So anyway, but I. I think it's important to treat it the same way. Uh, like what works in one situation, it, you know, in a relationship, like interpersonal relationship, that works in all situations. Like yeah. being a good communicator, that's not just important in your marriage. That's not just important if we have business together. It's important if we're friends. It's important if we're a student and a teacher, a parent to child, brother to sister, like communicating with someone is crucial. How can I understand how to be better at being your friend or being your coworker yeah. or being your husband if I if we don't have open lines of communication of what is actually going on, not the communication that I want you to receive, but the real what's the actually happening inside of me because there's no way you could know how right. I feel. There's yeah. no way you could know. And also like we trust each other like 100 percent. so whenever brandon has something that he wants to do or i have something that i want to do apart from us being together we're like yeah go like have fun and you know go to cancun do your commentary for cjj and you know 
uh, buy me a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. And when you're ready to read a book, I got to back off and let you read. Right. You know, I'm, I'm still not that great at that. I'm getting better though. But I mean, like I have dragon boat and, you yeah. know, like I'll go to the gym and lift and, you know, so I have my things that I do. Uh, and you know, another thing just between from how do you do husband and wife and run a business together every day, having really clear and defined roles, I think is really important. And the better that we get it from a business perspective, at least having, um, the better that we get at defining our roles and letting the other person do their thing, the more effective our business becomes and the happier that we get, I find yeah. in the, in the actual business. So like, you know, that back to that rocket fuel book, once you write rocket fuel right there, that's another recommendation I'll make to you guys that have a business of any sort, even if it's a business that's not with your significant other necessarily. It's just any business needs these two roles. Relationship, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so enough about that. <laughs> I don't get, maybe not enough about that. It is the Brandon and Lindsay have a podcast now. It's not the, the hey, Ask Me Your Questions podcast. You know what I mean? We can talk about whatever we want. That's right, son. I'm in charge. Uh, Oh, Drew Chokes Leg said, how long did it take till your wife started training with you? Oh, foolish mortal. (laughs) I'm the one that signed us up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. People, I don't know. Do you think that it would have ever happened if I'd left it up to you to find the the school that we were going to train at? Because, again, Brandon has Maybe. the good ideas. So even back then, it was like, we should train MMA. That was his <laughs> idea. And I go, all right, let's make it happen. So, I mean, that's that's been our roles from, for a really long time. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. It, it was I was into the idea. So maybe. We'll never know. Yeah, we'll never know. It's funny, though. Like, I'm loud and outspoken, and I'm the one that's got, like, all the – internet presence or whatever but and so people kind of assume like oh it's just because it's normal in the community it's normal the husband is the one if there's a husband and wife and they're both black belts how did you get your wife into that like bro Lindsay is the pioneer around here (laughs) like she's i get a oh brandon you're a good black belt how Lindsay's been my Number one training partner since day one. Like, if I'm good, she's good. Trust me. And in the beginning, she was way better than me for the first couple of years. For wouldn't you agree with that? For the first uh, couple of yeah, years, I mean, you were significantly you better. You started me. figuring out like the intangibles, like the angle and angles and leverage and that kind of stuff. Like, I could get the techniques. You know, you you show me step one, two, three, I got it. You know, but. Brandon started diving in deep and getting, you know, the philosophies and the, like I said, the intangible intangibles. So, yeah, once he figured that stuff out, he started like his game started escalating pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I had to learn how to learn it. Mm-hmm. I'm not a step by step kind of dude. And and uh, even though in the beginning, I think we all probably when we're adding a new skill, we probably all need the steps. Yeah. Right. Uh, but systems, step-by-step processes, those things, um, I don't even think in those ways, to be honest with you. Like, it's hard for me to even, it's hard for me to organize anything because of that. But 
if you'll give me a little time with anything, it's, I don't want to say easy, but I enjoy the process of digging out the first principles. Like, mm-hmm. why is this the case? Not, not necessarily what is the case. Yeah. Eh, okay, we can all see what is the case. But it'll takes, it takes effort and uh, intrigue. It takes an interest in the mystery right. in order to go, well, how did this become the case? Which is a different question than why is this the case, you know? Yeah. And, which is a totally different question from is this true? And once you find out that a thing is true, now you can drag it across the board and apply it to everything. Right. And so I enjoy finding out those things that are true. Right. And then and then dragging them across the entire landscape. Where is that principle in this situation? Yeah. Because uh, it has to be true. If it's true here, it's always true. That's right. That's what makes it true. Right. If it's true in this situation. If I find out it's true over here, and then all the way on the opposite side of that truth, it that one principle still holds true on this opposite yeah. scenario. Now it's true. Now it's just true forever. And so if I run into a new scenario, I, I may not know anything about what's going on, but I know that this is this one part will be true. Yeah. You know, so I enjoy that kind of whether it's with a guitar or with Facebook ads or jujitsu. But when it's time to write the Facebook ad, I, I get paralyzed. I can't do it. I don't know what's wrong with me. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Yeah. But once it's started, you're OK. So like. If I'll start writing the copy, then you can go finish it. Yeah. It's, just, it's the act of starting is hard for me. Whatever, like, whatever personal resource that it, for some reason, that costs me a tremendous amount of, like, personal resource. Mm-hmm. But once the ball is rolling, I feel like I could just run over anything. So, yeah. I'm a weird dude. Yeah. All right. That wasn't the question. All right. Let's uh, <laughs> Let's get back in. That was a good one. That was a good one. Okay. Now let's go to... Um, all right, just tell me when you hit a question that you want to play Me? Yeah. I can't even see that far uh, I'll read them to you. <laughs> Best marriage and parenting advice. We kind of touched on that yeah, a little bit. Kinda. Most difficult injury you've ever had to recover from. We can talk about that. All right, let's all talk right. about just injuries in general. So shout out to John.Washa on Instagram. This is his question. Most difficult injury you've ever had to recover from? You can go first. I just had it, actually. So um, I just turned 40 in September, and it seems like uh, my body just started disintegrating at my birthday. (laughs) And is that, do you think that that's because you're so very, very old now? Yes. Yes, and I've been training for 14 years. So. But mostly, though, if you had to pin it on Just one really thing. Just old. Probably. Old? Yeah, yeah, old. So anyway, um, I had, I have like this um, injury in my front deltoid that had been bothering me for a little while. And so like, I just, I, I'll constantly injure it. My neck is crap, too, like just being choked over the years and cranked and all that stuff. Um, so we were working on, I think it was the Kimura trap. So anyway, like I gotten caught in a Kimura trap. Somebody was about to take my back and they like extended my arm away from my body and it felt like my shoulder went with it. So, uh, like 
I felt a burn go down the back of my shoulder, like inside my scapula. And then these three fingers went numb. So I, I was thinking there was some kind of like nerve damage. And um, so I would, <laughs> at the very beginning of the injury, I would just tuck my arm inside my rash guard and just roll with one arm. And I did that for a few weeks. And um, I, it, it started getting better. And then I rolled um, with somebody who was a little bit heavier than me and really aggravated it. And so I was like, I can't. I, I woke up in the middle of the night just in so much pain. And I was just having to, like, rock back and forth <laughs> and just waiting for it to go away. And uh, I was like, I don't ever want to be in this amount of pain again. So I, I took some time off and, you wait, know. Wait, 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 wait. How much time off? Oh, gosh. It was only like. <laughs> yeah, see. See, that's an important part like of the story. It was only like two weeks probably. And, uh, well, we went to Mexico, so I had to take time off. Um, he was doing a CJJ, so I went with him. And so I was kind of forced to take some time off. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was only like two weeks. And then I started drilling on, like, Bob. And, uh, and then I would just have people sit and I would practice my passing, my step passing and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel differently when I'm not training. I, I don't, I'm not the same kind of person. So I had to do something, but eventually now it's starting to feel better, but I, I don't have the same strength in my left arm that I do in my right arm. So I'm having to do some rehab stuff in the gym, just light weights, lots of reps and trying to get back up to some stability here. So I, I don't know what it was because I never went to the doctor. <laughs> so I Y'all see this. <laughs> She's been getting on to me for years. Oh, why don't you just go see the doctor? Why don't you just take some time off? You need some time off. Y'all see it. <laughs> when it comes down to it. Okay. We're Hi the same. Hypocrisy. We're so sick sorry. in the head. You're a jujitsu black belt. That means you're sick in the head. That's science. You can, you can just write that down. Yeah. What, so, about, what about your worst injury? <clears throat> well, my worst injury, I feel that I feel as though I've 100% recovered from. Like I don't, I have zero concerns about my neck. So I have a fusion in my neck, which um, in jujitsu is like the, it's like the death sentence for your career, you know? Uh, and I have, I had a bad one. So I had a, a really bad injury. I blew a disc. I mean, basically blew it totally out of my neck. And then a, another level above it, I had a serious injury too as well. And I, that was at, at Brown Belt is when I had the surgery. And so it's called an anterior cervical disc fusion. It's ACDF. They go in at the front of my neck, out my throat right here. They open my throat, move my esophagus out of the way. And they fuse, they put a titanium plate in my neck. And so that's supposed to, and it does, it's supposed to limit your mobility in your neck dramatically. Okay, you can, con once you heal up, you can continue to train, but your best years are behind you, et cetera, et cetera. Incorrect. Incorrect. My best years are now, if I'm being honest. Like, I'm, I can do things with my neck now that were, I never could do. No, I, I definitely I see a difference in, especially your posture, because you're like, no, nobody's ever grabbed my head again. So, I mean, your your posture is so strong and straight. It's you've done well. Yeah, well, I had I had to learn to do jujitsu 
correctly if I was going to continue. Because I couldn't keep going uh, and just smashing through people. Like I th- at that time in my career, in my training, like if you were in front of me, even in practice, like I was going to try to kill you. Mm-hmm. Like every night, I was just going to try to kill you. And so when I had the neck surgery, I had to, I couldn't do that anymore because that involves a lot of like surviving bad positions sometimes because you are so aggressive. So anyway, I had to learn to use my body in a, in the correct way, mechanical efficiency and lining up my first principles, like what makes a person's posture strong, you know, like discovering what posture even is yeah, and then looking at it from all these different perspectives. Like when we think of posture, we think of, Oh, your head goes on, you sit up, but perfect posture exists in every position. And so I had to learn to keep good posture throughout every little micro, uh, (laughs) micro adjustment (laughs) in the game. Uh, And then, so, but now I've also learned to invert with those same principles. And so I can play upside down and never feel pressure. And in fact, not just can, but how much of my game, like my open guard game, Mm -hmm. it's like I'm upside down all the time. I I probably play inverted on my, looks like I'm on my neck. I'm never on my neck. I'm on my shoulders. And it, man, learn having, being forced to do it the right way. Like, no, no, if you do it the wrong way, you're injured Mm -hmm. or you're out until you, settle down or you can do it the right way and nobody does it the right way so when yeah. you learn to do it the right way you'll be a, a demigod on the mat yeah and you can that's, keep training you'll be even better than you were and you don't get hurt anymore so like even though i'm look i'm 40 and i'm beat up and i'm paying for a lot of the things i did in the past mm-hmm. with to my body but i never get hurt anymore and i and i win as much maybe not more than ever <laughs> but as much as and I'm and I'm not rolling for for blood anymore. Right. So my approach to the game has really changed a lot, and that's been the best thing that I've done for my injury um, prevention and maintenance, I guess. But the uh, the injury that I have that still bothers me the most is definitely my knee. My knee still bothers me. Yeah. Oh, and I also had stem cells done in my neck, and that's what pushed it back over the like. That's what it was the ACDF. Plus, a couple of years later, stem, stem cells. cells. And that that fixed the neck up. The stem cells, if I'm being honest, didn't help the knee that much. Um, I've had five surgeries on that knee. I think that's our four. I've had a bunch of surgeries on that knee. And I've had stem cells and PRP in the knee. It's The knee's never, probably never going to recover it's just, it's been blown out. I blew it all the way out. Like I tore everything in it when I was 16 years old and it's just never been right since. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know that stem cells are going to recreate your knee for you. <laughs> no, I, I think eventually I'll have to get a totally new knee. Yeah. And I think at that point I'll probably feel good. He's, he's kind of looking forward to those robot days. I do want to be a cyborg. <laughs> I mean, it's coming anyway. Let's let's get in on that. I'm ready. Okay, yeah. I'm with you. You don't even have... What are you talking I, about? So my neck, my shoulder, it's feeling lame, better, lame. but it's, my knees have, both have arthritis. 
But I did decide, so, well, I say I decided. I, I had to sit down and go, all right, how much longer do I want to do jujitsu? Uh, okay, I want it to be for as long as possible. All right, well, maybe you can't do 10 and 12 rounds every time you train. Let's, like, kick it back to maybe five. But I did eight yesterday, so, no. All right, let's go on to the um, end of the comments. Uh, you want to do a controversial one? This will be controversial, controversial for uh, Alabama. Okay. This one's uh, from Renee Souza. He says, jujitsu and cannabis, thoughts, comments, concerns. Okay. Uh, I think that jujitsu and cannabis are tied pretty closely, if I'm being honest, like cult culturally. Um, you know, all the Brazil, not, I shouldn't say all of anyone. I'm painting with a very, very broad brush here. Mm -hmm. All the Brazilians brought it in. Uh, of course, Americans do it all over the place. It's legal in half the country and it's definitely legal in places where jujitsu is super popular. I'll tell you my like personal and so like. My personal opinion, I'm not applying this to, like, anybody else. It's just the way that I feel. Um, so we had, or I definitely had a paradigm shift when it came to marijuana and jujitsu. So we came from a super conservative religious background. Um, and so, you know, we were definitely not... Uh, pro marijuana at all like yeah, it was I, demonized I was right was it was definitely demonized um in our younger years and then so when we started getting into the jiu-jitsu community we saw all these people that were professional athletes business owners like killing it on social media and so we had to go wait and a they minute were, and they were good people it right. was, they and weren't they're so nice people. and they love us they love what they do they're living these awesome lives and like killing it and so we had to kind of go whoa you know, everything that we've been told about marijuana says that you just want to, like, chill on the couch and eat Cheetos, you know. And, and I'm like, that guy over there is a professional athlete, like, competing every weekend. Like, how does that, you know, so we had to figure out, like. And he's not a loser. Right. Like, he's driven towards excellence and he wakes up and crushes it every day. Right. Yeah, so for me, um, the first step for me was that I had to learn that morality and cannabis use were not intrinsically linked. Yeah. Like it didn't make you a good or bad person that you did this particular activity. It, it was, it, and as I learned initially, I started to learn about the health benefits of it. Yeah. Um, from a pain management standpoint, that that's why a lot of people use that instead of opioids or which, even ibuprofen or ibuprofen. Uh, and I'm super in favor of not putting any opioids into your body. I've just mm -hmm. seen that. I've personally watched it take down super talented athletes, super motivated and happy people, and seen it turn them into something that they're not. 
off of a prescription that their doctor gave them because they broke their foot. Yeah. You know, not because they were seeking drugs, not not drug users. Well, you and I started watching a lot of Netflix documentaries, you yeah. know, and just and there were some that were pro and some that were con, you know, marijuana use. And so, you know, you want to know both sides of the we kind of already had the like demonized side, you know. Yeah. But um just learning about like you're saying the health benefits like, you know, epilepsy and like little kids epilepsy was the one that started it for me seeing how oh man these kids are not having 300 grandma seizures every day like just from a little tiny drop of oil and i was like this is crazy why is this even illegal well and then seeing how they would um force parents like they would make the parents the, the parents were criminal criminals because they were giving their children what they needed. Yeah. And like I couldn't reconcile those two things. I was like, something's yeah. wrong. Something's really off with the way that this works. And so that that particularly, when combined with, I began to see that, oh, n- this is not tied to being a loser. Right. It, it's not also it's also not tied to being successful and excellent. Oh no. It's not tied to that it's, either. You gotta be a t- certain kind of person. It's independent. It's a it's a separate thing. And uh, I think that the same way that some people use coffee as a drug and some people abuse coffee or sugar or Mm -hmm. or sex or whatever, that people can use marijuana the same way. But I think that it's an effective tool uh, that some people mismanage. Yeah. A lot of people mismanage. What's up, Chris? Uh, I think a lot of people mismanage it. Uh, I think it can be used responsibly the same way that you can use caffeine responsibly. I think that we need to be really careful um, and understand how it affects the developing brain. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're wiser. You, you'd be able to speak to that more than I would. But I think that that, w- within the jujitsu community, that's something that we need to keep our eyes on, is that we, I don't think young people need to be getting involved with until their frontal lobe is fully developed. Right. I'm, I'm not even trying to be funny. Like, uh, you know more. Go ahead. Well, I mean, just I was in education for 15 years, and so a lot of the continuing education stuff would be on the adolescent brain and brain development and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I, the last I'd heard they were saying 24 years old was when your brain, your decision-making portion of your brain was actually full, fully developed. So 24 was the last I'd actually heard even up to 27. So, um, right, I, I don't think that that's a decision that needs to be made early in your life. Um, so, but I definitely think that we should do more research. You know, just as a country, we need to be more informed about this. Uh, but I think that it's tied up in political issues. Yeah, so you, you can't even really do research on it without having all of these, like you have to go through all this red tape to do it. And so there's very few people who are actually willing to go through all of that to do the research that's needed. Well, yeah, it's super hard to research it. I think that federally the tide is turning. Uh, I'll be very clear. I'm, I am pro cannabis, not just, I'm not anti, I am pro cannabis. I think that it should be legalized it grow. I mean, it grows in the ground, guys. Yeah, it, it grows in the ground. And medically, it's legal in Alabama. You really can't. It's impossible Not to actually really. purchase it. But I think. But I mean, law wise, on the books, right? There's one saying. use 
and you have to go to like one doctor is the only guy that can prescribe in the whole state, <laughs> right? But but just the fact that it's medically legal technically in Alabama is huge. I mean, I I didn't see that coming in, you know, for a long, long time. But right. I really see that now that the ball's rolling with other states, and you know, those people are. Uh, pioneers like letting it be legal in their state and testing it out and Alabama kind of just sits back and goes hmm, I wonder what's going to happen next. Yeah, Alabama's <laughs> like a tenth mover usually right. on decision making. Like even with the mask ordinances, every state around us has... Literally every ha- state around us. Yeah, literally. <laughs> well, Tennessee maybe not. No, no, they have. Oh, okay. Then uh, every state. <laughs> all, the, all the mask ordinances have been dropped at the state level and Alabama's like, we're going to do it next month. So we're going to wait till April. Yeah. You know what? I don't necessarily... Th- think that that's uh terrible some some there's some first mover advantages usually but there are also it's just a different risk reward in anything Mm -hmm. to be the first mover and then then to be like an early adopter and then uh you know that that phase there alabama usually a little behind the curve and to be honest with you me too i'm a little i'm a kind of a conservative person for the most part yeah um and i don't mind sitting back and seeing how things play out a little bit so I appreciate the the pioneers and the trailblazers uh, in the cannabis field, mm-hmm. uh, and I am sitting back here and watching it all play out. Yeah, but I definitely think that it's coming. I mean, like, I think that it's going to be federally legal soon. Yeah, and, and I hope that it—I do hope, actually, that it's regulated a bit. Like, I, the, the yeah. way they regulate alcohol, I think, works for for us. I mean, you know, I, I think alcohol should be legal. I'm, I'm actually probably— closer to anti-alcohol than I am anti-cannabis, but, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not, I, I think we should really think about legalizing or at least decriminalizing all drugs. Oh, really? All drugs. I think it's, I think it's kind of a, anyway. Where is that working now? Is that in Portland? I think Portland decriminalized all, all drugs. drugs. Portugal, and there's countries around the world that have had that for years. I'm too ignorant to really be talking. I, I shouldn't. I'm not the one to be talking about this topic. I don't mind talking about now, it. You've done some research on the cannabis stuff, but yeah, like yeah, all yeah. drugs, yeah, you. Might. Yeah. Anyway, my point is, we need to to let people have a little more play with what they can do with their own body. I just, I don't think that it's, yeah, and um, I, just I don't think, think it's okay to tell people what they can and can't. We do. definitely need more education on it. Cause I think that it was originally made illegal for political issues. Like it just wasn't, it wasn't as harmful as they scheduled it. I mean, for sure. <laughs> yeah. They have it scheduled with like what, like cocaine and stuff. Yeah, it's a schedule. No, no, I think cocaine's actually scheduled too. Like beneath it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. Yeah, it's crazy. Again, dude, I'm no expert. What do I I what do I know? And it's not like um I'm dying to get marijuana, Uh-oh. you know, stores put in across the schools or something. <laughs> but I, I do think that people need a little more freedom with what they're able to do with their body. And uh yeah, I don't think the government should be stepping in on something like that. I think I'm, that's a matter of personal responsibility. I'm, I'm totally with the government stepping back from a lot of things. Yeah. Like, yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> there we go. Let's let's slide into some different questions. Okay. Uh, oh, this is funny. Renee, the guy who asked that question, he said, I'm 24. 
<laughs> You're out on the edge. Yeah. He's almost You're got close. a real brain. He's almost got a real brain. Um, there's questions about Gordon and Galval. I don't care. Um, hmm. Ooh. Will, here you go. Okay. Will Bryce Mitchell ever be the UFC champion? Hard to say. Uh, I think he's got a lot of potential mm. in that regard. He, of all the um, UFC guys that I've rolled with, and it's a lot, I've rolled with a bunch of dudes that are in the UFC at this point. Pedro Munoz, Bryce, Bryce Mitchell's good at jujitsu, man. Yeah. Really good at jujitsu. I jiu-jitsu. mean, I remember I, you coming home and just being like, he's good. It would, He's really good. <laughs> it would be really hard for me to praise him enough right. about how impressed I was with his grab. He felt like um, so controlling on the top position. Mm-hmm. Like He just has a little funnel that he puts you into, and then you're left to make one of two or three really bad decisions. Mm-hmm. And, and he's got answers for all And if three. he's allowed to hit you too... They're really bad. All of them are. You can't stay here because I'm going to hit you. Mm -hmm. If you move here, I'm going to take your back. If you move here, I'm going to arm triangle you. So what about his stand up? He's a guy. He's got good stand up, but I'm super unqualified to talk about um, people stand up. Super unqualified. So can he be the champion? I think he's got the work ethic. I think he's got the talent. I think he has the coaching I think he's got the star power, and I think he's at the right age and time in his career to start putting together, could he be the champion one day? 100% I believe he could. Will he? Dude, that's, there's so many factors that go into that, but it, I think he's got everything lined up. Is he ranked right now? I don't think so. I don't think he's ranked just yet. I mean, he's, he's got, he's new to the game. He's got some work to do in front of him. He's got a long road to the title. Yeah. But could he travel that road? Yeah, I think he could. I'll tell you something else. Uh, he's got a little teammate named Ethan Birmingham. Shout out to Ethan Birmingham. This kid's 17 years old. So I was just doing commentary at Summit Fighting Championship over in Tupelo, Mississippi last weekend. Mm-hmm. And Ethan Birmingham, he's 2-0 and as a pro. He, or now he's 3-0 and as a pro. 17 years old. Okay. He went into a fight against a guy who was the four-time defending champion. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Actually, they're amateur. I'm sorry. This was an amateur fight. Okay. He's the four-time defending champion at this amateur belt. Okay. All right. Multiple weight classes. The guy's good. Wrestled in college. Very good striker. Good grappler. And Ethan pulled guard or got to the bottom in every round and dominated the fight from his back. Dominated it. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, that kid's guard is as good as I've ever seen in amateur MMA. And way better than most guards that I see at the highest pro level. 17 years old. Nice. So, shout out to that kid. Whatever they're doing over there in the Bryce Mitchell country on their jujitsu, it's working. They need to keep doing that. He did get his camo shorts, didn't he? Oh, he got the camo shorts. Okay. And now and now Reebok's out of there, Venom's in. You know he's going to get some camo, dude. Um, let's go back to the questions here. Um, Becca Stack. This is for you, Lindsay. What made Lindsay sign y'all up in the very beginning? Um, so 
we thought Brandon's health was bad. His uh, blood pressure was a little high. His weight had gotten up really high. And I had... Yeah, okay, yeah. You can say it, say it, say it to the yeah, people. Yeah, he got fat. There we go. And um, so I had always worked out, but, you know, in, and at that time we were super young, and I was like, no, you know, I married you, and you're supposed to be in this for the long haul, so we're going to find something that we can do together. And he picked MMA, so I was like, all right, I'm calling a gym. <laughs> yeah, and then she went and did all the homework and got us, got us signed up somewhere. All right. Mm. Oh, this this is uh, we we touched on this. This is uh, have you ever trained with a herniated disc? If so, what did you do differently? Yeah, definitely. So uh, rewind this thing and listen to it, and mm -hmm. I'll give you some thoughts on that. Thoughts on? Uh, let's skip that. A lot of this is like um, specific jujitsu questions. You want to? It's hard to talk specific jujitsu moves on an audio. Yeah. Like you need to see. I'm that. happy to answer those questions for you. I, I'd rather do those on video, though. Yeah. If I'm being honest. Oh, here's a great question. Justin, granted, what was there a time that you felt a moment, sh uh, a momentum shift of success? Was there a time? that you felt a momentum shift of success. Yes. So um, it took me 12 and a half years to get my black belt. <laughs> but, you know, I was working full time and I had two kids and Brandon was working at night teaching classes. And so I would, you know, I had to leave and go put the kids in bed. Um, luckily, we did have help from our the grandparents, you know, <laughs> so that I could train. But I was only training like twice a week. Um, so that's why it took me so long. But at purple, um, well, okay, like even back to like blue belt, I would just train and just, you know, put my head down and train. And Brandon would come and he would say, you know, if you just do a few more rounds at night, you could probably get a blue belt. And I was like, what? Like I just never even... I don't know, like, I was just training, and it didn't even, like, really make sense that I was like, you think I'm ready for a blue belt? This is crazy. And so, you know, I would do it, and then it would, the same thing would happen, and so when it was getting close to time for purple, he was like, all right, I want you to, I think it was learn the warm-ups, like, learn all the warm-ups. He gave me a task to do. Like, well, okay, it's getting close, Lindsay. I think you could probably be purple. I was like, what, purple? Are you kidding? You know, and because, like I said, I was just training at the time and, you know, didn't really have jujitsu goals. It was just like it was a good workout. I was getting self-defense, that kind of thing. But so at um, Brown Belt, Brandon was like, OK, you have no aggression. Like you need to find you need to start submitting people and, you know, find your aggression and that kind of thing. And so it was that was a shift to me. I was just trying to survive, and, you know, every once in a while I'd find an opening in a submission, but now I started having to, like, hunt for submissions. So definitely a brown belt, uh, I had to find that killing stroke, and so Ooh, I was... That's out of, that's out of vicious. Right. <laughs> so I had to change up my mindset, change up my game, you know, start putting pressure, find my aggression, and so, yeah, it was completely different from any of my other training. 
and I was actually, I had a goal. I was like, I'm going to be a black belt. Like it's, I can feel it with the edge of my fingers, you know? And so, yeah, that was definitely my momentum shift. What about um, a shift in your success as a human or as a business person? Because when I read that question, that's what I went to. Oh. So what do you think of, like, was there ever a time, has there ever been a time when you're like, oh, wait, I'm I'm getting it. I'm doing it. Like I'm becoming more of what I wanted to be or something like that. With work. Or, or just your personal life or, do you, or I guess, first of all, do you feel like you have success right now would be the first question. Yes. Was there a time when you felt the momentum shift and you started to become successful? Is there something that you can point to or some attitude or something? Okay. So like I said, I was in education for 15 years and you know, when you first start out in education, you really like teenagers. (laughs) To be clear, you taught high school math. Right. I was a high school math teacher. And so at the very beginning, so Brandon used to be a youth minister. And so I worked with teenagers all the time. And I was like, oh, I really enjoy, you know, like this age group working with these kids. And, um, you know, but those kids were for the most part, they enjoyed being where they were. Like they kind of, they chose to be there. But when you teach high school, they're in this room, not of their own volition. And and most people you talk to hate math. And so it was whenever I told people what I did for a living, I was like, why? Why do you do that? Why did you choose math? Or they go, oh. Yes, they make that noise. And so I had definitely gotten to the point where I was I was making that noise. Um, so Brandon had we had built the gym up to where I could quit my job and start working for the gym because I was doing some things for the gym, even working full time for the school. And so uh, I cleared my plate of all education, was not working there anymore, strictly focusing on working for the gym. And I started to see, okay, all this effort that I'm putting forth is actually benefiting me directly. So, you know, when you work for someone else, you're benefiting them and their job or their business or whatever. And so now I started working for us and building up our, you know, collected, um, interests. So uh, definitely being able to work for myself made me feel more successful. And and people pay me to be here. They're not trapped in a room until the <laughs> bell rings. So they really, you know, people enjoy being here. Yeah, I think from a business and then also from a personal standpoint for myself, the when you quit, when you pulled the trigger and you quit your job, and you started spending more time around here. Mm-hmm. That's when things really started blowing up. And just honestly, the, the more time that I spend with you, the better everything gets. The better I get personally, the better the business gets, the better my jujitsu gets. So I am just really thankful to, that I get to spend that kind of time with you. Aww, yeah, it's, so true. it's true. It's <laughs> true. You know, it's not even me trying to be sweet. It's, that's like you benefit me like tremendously in all the areas of my life. So when did I start to feel a shift in my own personal and business success? I totally agree. When when you were here more, the business started growing. Because 
Not just because, oh, you're great at what you do. That's true. You're great at what you do. But also, you're great at the opposite things that I'm great at. Mm -hmm. Like, our strengths are opposite. Our weaknesses are opposite. And so all the holes, you know, we had the business, but all the holes that I had created in the business, you plugged right into those. And the more time you got to spend around, the more you found, oh, there was a hole here and you didn't even know. Like, oh yeah. yeah, that bucket was leaking and I had no idea. Yeah. And and you didn't have to come in like the strengths were already strong right. when you started. So like the things that the culture, the the things that I do well, those things were already strong. And so you didn't have to come in and put any real work into your into your weak parts. You could come in and just focus on what you were good at which allowed me to focus more on what I was good at. Yeah. And it, so yeah, just the more time that you've spent around here, the better it's gotten. Teamwork. High five. (laughs) And back to the marriage question, Brandon's really good about telling me stuff like that. Like, so, you know, when you're, and I just actually posted something in our ladies Facebook messenger chat the other day. It was like, when you see, I think in the meme, it was like, when you see beauty, you should speak it. So, I've really started trying to, like, when I see something good or see something cool, like, tell somebody. And, and that makes your marriage work better, too. Like, oh, like your partner did something awesome. Like, praise them. Tell them. And, you know, that, that ties into that love language thing that we were talking about earlier, too. Like, some people need those words, you know, because you may appreciate them, but they don't know that you appreciate them. So, Brandon's really good about that. Let me know I'm appreciated. <clears throat> All right. So I'm going to scroll. we got a ton of questions, so it's going to take me a little while to get through them. Uh, here we go. I think this is Josh Kaysen. Okay. What's up, oh, Josh? I didn't get to roll with him last night. Uh, he's the most impossible to wrist lock person in the whole world. When I roll with <laughs> Josh, go for wrist when I roll with Josh, the only thing I care about is trying to get him in a wrist lock. Oh, is he the one that has the super Dude, bendy wrist? They'll bend. His knuckles will touch his forearm like and he and you won't even feel tension in it it's not that he's not tapping it's i can't make it feel tight enough to to everything else everything else you just you know he's a white belt just whack tap him whatever you want but i can't i am a good wrist locker and i cannot wrist lock him and josh before i get to your question i just want you to know i want you to look me in my eyeballs right now i'm a wrist lock you (laughs) and and your sacrifices are going to reap horror for other people. That's what it's going to get. He's going to figure it out. Because I'm going to figure it out. And if I could get you with him, I know I can get anybody. What's his question? I can't remember. Oh, it's thank God it's on the screen. <gasps> see, Y'all see that? That's that's how I live my life. Uh, what did you do before jujitsu as far as work and hobbies go? Oh, my gosh. What? How long do y'all have? <laughs> what is that? Okay, we'll start with number one. He worked at a go-kart track. Was that your, No, that wasn't even your first job. What? We don't have to go back to KFC, when I was a teenager. KFC to go-kart track. Yeah. And then he fell in love with youth ministry. So that's what his first degree. That's what I in. always wanted to do. Right. Uh, I want, I benef- just as a teenager, I benefited so much. And I still, honestly, like I had a moment um, just yes, it was yesterday or the day before where two nights ago the the love and the education and the attention that i received as a teenager from 
the folks at that church, at Molten Church of Christ, where that benefited me directly Mm -hmm. just a couple of days ago, you know? And so, uh, and I I was able to recognize that even as a teenager that, oh, this is really, you know, there's some things about growing up in a conservative church that I've had to unpack and deal with as an adult for Mm -hmm. sure. You know, I'm not trying to sell you guys a product here, Mm -mm. but I've benefited so much as a grown man also. From something. From from many, many of those yeah. things. Many of those things. Uh, and even though I was younger and I didn't recognize a lot of it at the time, I did recognize, oh, this is really, really good for me. And I wanted to, that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Like 16, I was like, oh, I already know what I'm going to do. So you were a youth minister for several years. Yeah. And then quit that to go into music? Was that the order? Yeah, sort of. So I had started my first thing that I was really, really passionate about. Like, I guess besides, like, as a kid, I loved basketball like that. Mm -hmm. But the first thing that I was really, like, obsessed over was learning to play music, learning to play instruments. Yeah, so he was in a band, and they were traveling yeah and playing venues yeah and then so that lasted for making a while. albums on itunes what's yeah, up that lasted for a little while and then you had like little jobs like you would sell credit card swipers yeah. or advertisements for those uh sports calendars yeah. you did that for a little while and then chicken restaurant we owned a fried chicken restaurant yeah that didn't go so well. dark, dark times <laughs> And then, then it was the school. So, lots of different things. Yeah. <laughs> hobbies, hobbies though. Music has really been the only thing outside. Like I loved, I loved basketball, and then I started playing music, and I started playing less basketball, and music became the thing that I just was. All my free time, I would try to learn about music or the, or. Learn Being on stage. On, yeah, or anything. Anything that was related to music, even like the music business, all kinds of stuff. That's how I actually got started learning about marketing and stuff. Mm-hmm. How I got interested in marketing was, um, and internet marketing was MySpace. Yeah. I started learning about internet marketing with MySpace. But you would do it all. You would write your own music. You would perform it. You even had like an eight-track recorder. Yep, I and started you would building record a your recording own studio. Music. So... Yeah, a lot of different. And and then as I got into jujitsu, whatever, just like music replaced basketball, whatever itch basketball was actually scratching for me, it, it turned out it wasn't the exercise itch or the winning itch. It wasn't any of those. It, it wasn't even strategy. Yeah, it wasn't even getting good at basketball, apparently. Because whatever basketball did for me, music scratched that itch even better. And I began to to drift over and eventually just obsessed totally with that. But then as I got into jujitsu, whatever mute, whatever itch music had been scratching, jujitsu scratched it even better. Mm. And so, yeah, I don't think it's necessary for me. I don't know. It's when I find something that, that has mysteries that intrigue me, like I want to discover those mysteries. Like, I don't know. It sounds kind of dorky. Like, Oh, you're the, only dork in ju- that's into jujitsu for that. Okay, no, well, so be you're it. Not the only one, <laughs> but 
But that's the part of jujitsu that excites me. I really couldn't care. At this point, I couldn't care less about if I tap you or not, or if you tap me. I don't care. But did we did we train well together? Did we study well together? Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's sometimes you got to let folks know who's who. I'm into that too. That's an important part of it. Yeah. But for me, it just I don't know. I'm just obsessed with it, and it's worse. I'm nearly 15 years into it, and it's just it's worse than ever. I, <laughs> I want to do it more than ever. Yeah. You know, that's how you know you're into something that you. Should, that's. I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. There's only one day that he doesn't work out, and it's Sunday, and those are the days that he'll just sit around and be like, <sighs> "Wish I was at class." <laughs> He's he's moving more than ever, and he'll just start tapping and rocking. <laughs> All right, here's a good one. This will this will be I'll show you the difference in the two of us here. Okay. Do either of you implement strength and conditioning into your training? This is from Steve Norwick. Do either of you implement strength and conditioning? <laughs> I do. So I am in the gym doing uh, like three times a week. So probably almost as much as jujitsu um, I'm doing. I'm doing other gyms like lifting and such, but I don't do a whole lot of like max workouts, like one rep max or three rep max or anything like that. I'm I'm more of about like body weight stuff. Um more reps, less weight, functional stuff, like trying to make all of my joints stable, that kind of thing. Just strengthening everything, not necessarily power stuff. Um, you know, do some circuit training sometimes, but yeah, more it's just like, uh, let's get a nice just rehab on this shoulder or, you know, Actually, right now I'm trying to make my my legs look nice. You know, bathing suits coming up. Mission accomplished. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely I do strength and conditioning, but um, like no no power workouts really. Uh, despite that, you are you are very well known as for being like the strongest female that anybody ever rolls with, well, right? Well, thank you, but like I, but you hear, I roll you definitely with, hear that all the yeah, time. I like, do. holy I, God, you're so strong. strong. Even yeah. from the guy, like guys my size mm-hmm. will grab. Like uh, when Elijah Carlton was here mm-hmm. rolling, and you rolled with Elijah, it, and y'all got done rolling, and I was sitting on the side, and he rolled over to the side, and he goes, "Dude, she's so strong and so good," <laughs> and and like it was coming from a real place. Like I couldn't believe how strong she was when she put her hands on me. I hear that all the time, and I can't imagine being a woman your size yeah. and feeling your your strength. So, yeah, even though you don't do max, right, like push for heavy weights and stuff, you used to. Well, I think a lot. Yeah, I did used to, but then I I'd hurt I hurt my lower back, and I was like, no, I'm not doing that anymore. Um, but I think a lot of it too is you know finding proper grips and using your frames and that kind of stuff too. So and a lot of that, knowing how to uh, place your weight in the correct spot makes yeah. you feel. Technique is stronger right. than strong. Yeah. I say that all the time. So. And and that'll be a great segue into, I don't work out at all. <laughs> I'm not doing nothing. But Weights everybody are, talks about how strong you are, how do. heavy you are. They do. You know? uh, all of my workouts are jujitsu. The way I feel is every, right or wrong, this is just how I feel, 
every minute that I spend working out in some other way, I should have been doing jujitsu and getting better at jujitsu during that moment. Because that's my goal is I'm trying to get as not as good as possible. I'm trying to know in like intuitively as much as I can know, not even, not even knowledge and organization wise, but like I, I want my body to only be able to react correctly, whether it knows what to do or not. And the only way to do that is to feel every possible variation and scenario. So my training in jujitsu has even turned into, and I've always kind of done this. I used to go as hard as I could for as long as I could. But now what I try to do is I try to expose myself. I want to have as many hours accumulated as possible so that I can, so that my, so that my DNA just knows. No, I get that. So that's how I treat my own personal working out. And, but like Lindsay, Lindsay's diet, your diet is so perfect. And you're, you know, so you really lean on your discipline mm-hmm. a lot. Um, I flex my discipline in other spots. It's, I struggle with the idea of getting up and going to the gym. I mean, I already proved I wasn't going to do it. That's how I got fat in the first place. You know, yeah. like jujitsu, honestly, being able to come up here and do jujitsu is what keeps me even thinking about being healthy. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I get it. So. The only thing I worry about is because you talk about like how sometimes, you know, because the ultimate goal and my ultimate goal, too, is to have effortless jujitsu. Oh, you yeah, know, just this want. beautiful and I can spin you like a top. No matter you know, how hard of, you're trying. Right. That's the important part for me. So my worry, though, is is that your jujitsu is going to become effortless and then it's not a workout anymore. Like you're not getting your cardio and your your heart exercising and that kind of thing. So but um, do you need to? Do you need to exercise? Does a 40-year-old guy need to exercise every day as and get your heart rate to the same place you got it to as a struggling young blue belt? Like, nah, dude. You just need to keep your heart elevated for a certain amount of time, yeah? Just get it. Isn't that the idea? Like, get in there and work and just stay active, be mobile, like, be able to move your body and all the yeah. ranges and everything. And, man, if you can do that, you're going to continue to be able to get up and down off of the floor and, you know, those are the things that I'm trying to avoid as I get old. I don't want to be like, oh, I can't move around and do what I want to do. Like I got, I had the success and I accomplished my goals. And now me and Lindsay are retiring to Italy where I can't get in and out of the bed. Like yeah. that makes no sense to me. Right. So there would be definitely, you would have to have only certain exercises. But I mean, like, I'm just saying, like, even if you worked out with bands, you know, yeah. That wouldn't be your cardiovascular, but I mean that would be you strengthening your shoulder joints and yeah. you know that kind of thing. But yeah, I, I mean obviously I I think there's tremendous benefit to a strength and conditioning routine, particularly particularly if you have competitive aspirations. Right. I, I would say it's a necessity. Mm-hmm. And and when I was competing regularly, I did a lot more of those kind of things. You know, I didn't do a lot of weightlifting, but I would be on the battle ropes every night. And I would be, you know, running sprints and stuff like that. Yeah. So I do understand the benefits of those things. I don't know that those things actually serve my goals at this point in my life. I think they almost would hinder me. 
because then I wouldn't spend the amount of time that I want to spend on the mats. So having said that, diet is where I should be flexing my discipline a lot more. I know it. I don't want to do it. So I haven't. Anyway, I got to be I got to do better with that. I need some so I need, I don't know. It would be better if, like, we had some kind of nutritionist to do our, uh, you know, meal planning for us or something. Anybody wanting to sponsor a podcast that uh, does prepaid or pre-packaged uh, oh, meals. Go. There we go. Yeah, I don't <laughs> need somebody to plan my meals out for. I know what to do. Yeah. I've done it before. I know what to do. No, but I'm just like, not going to do it. Here's the, I'm you not have cook. problem starting. That's what yeah. I'm saying. So, like, if we had somebody do, like you know, meal prep for us and it was already done, it would make it so much easier for you to have discipline in your diet because the discipline would already been taken out. Like, yeah, it would already be done. Yeah. I have to hire the discipline out. Right. And I hate to cook. So I just end up doing the easiest thing possible. Thank God. Thank God. One of us learned to cook over the years though. Yeah. I told him when we got married that I wasn't cooking. (laughs) I, I warned him. It wasn't a surprise. You got a lot of people that want you to come train in San Diego and Yay. to the Planet Orange Park. I have been to San Diego. Well, I trained in San Diego once, but it was like maybe four years ago. I can't remember. I think I saw Brown Belt then. Jamie Ingram, 79. Do people find it odd or unusual that the two of you train together and get along? <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. Um, I, I think people... I don't know. I think people, like, receive us very well. Like, I don't think there's any confusion or anything. But um, I don't know. I think watching over the years several married couples that have come in and uh, trained together, you know, there are some people who can train together, and then there's some people who literally want to choke each other by the end of just drilling together for 30 minutes. <laughs> um but I realized a long time ago, you know, Brandon was saying that I was better in the beginning. You know, that's debatable. But he, uh, when he learns. It's not very debatable. Well, when you he. You were literally t- making me tap for okay. like two or three years. <laughs> but, like, when Brandon uh, starts obsessing over a thing, I can't keep up with that because. no Nobody can Because there's couch that. time and I have to have couch time. But he doesn't have couch time. He has. When he's ready to sit down for the night, he turns on instructionals. And so I'm not doing that. I'm not. I'm a crazy person. Yes. Yes. So I can't keep up. So I recognized a long time ago. um, And, and, you know, it was kind of hard for me, but Brandon is better at jujitsu. He's been obsessing a lot longer. He's competed more. He teaches more. He's got more mat hours. So it shouldn't be hard for me to go. I have some things that I can learn from Brandon. You know, and that is hard. I think that is hard for married couples to I go so to be the student that's a, that's or to a be real... the learner in the relationship. But Brandon, I think Brandon is really good about he would relinquish that control to me as well. If there Definitely. was something that, you know, he felt like that he could <laughs> learn from me, like organization wise and stuff. He's like, Lindsay, please take care of this, you know. And so he we recognize, like you said, you got we have clearly defined roles. Um, so I recognized that okay he's my coach and now that that is by no means to say that I've never uh given a a snappy response (laughs) when he's corrected my technique because that definitely happens well and I've had to learn not to come by and correct your technique that much you know like 
you're good enough. You know how to work it out. Yeah. You know, and so there's only time that I really like there's something glaring maybe is if I come by and I go, all right. I gotta say, this, I have to say something right here, like, which is kind of ra- that's kind of rare. Right. The, the but the you and Scaff particularly, I kind of just let y'all do whatever you want during the drilling. Y'all, you know, like yesterday for instance, we're running a real particular path. Yeah. Y'all were drilling. Y'all wasn't doing what we were doing. No, because of the and so, sh- the shoulder right. thing that you were having. Like I got really crappy shoulders. He does too. He's had so- shoulder surgery on one of his shoulders. So we kind of went a diff we started in the same position but we would kind of end in, in something different so yeah. that we're, we're protecting our shoulders and and you know and i walk by and if that's another if that's a group of blue belts i'm going listen stop doing what you're doing and do what i told you to do but as i walk by you and like y'all are experienced enough and y'all everybody's got different learning styles and as a coach i try to like really let you I want to give you as much rope as possible because I want you to enjoy being here. Because right. I know if you just if you can't just come and pick up one thing and just enjoy the process that you'll come again tomorrow. Right. Because that's how I I think that's how everybody works, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, I, I've had to learn also don't come by and just fix stuff because like for the sake of showing her that, you know, that thing that yeah. she doesn't know. Um, I think with us, it's a lot of like, we kind of recognize those things before, you know what I'm saying? Like the intention behind 20 years. Right. Yeah. Well, it's a testament to your humility, really, honestly, that no, I don't mind sitting back and letting someone, even someone that maybe I'm relinquishing a bit of power in, in the roles right here. And you don't mind that. And, I think that that's because you know that when the time comes for you, for me to relinquish some yeah. sort of quote unquote power, I don't want to use. Yeah, I, don't I know, know what you mean. Yeah. You're right. But when the time comes that. Maybe the leadership. Leadership, so. perhaps. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But you've always been. But people perceive it as power. Right. Roles, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, it's easy to feel like. If this person is the leader, then they have a position over me. But that's not that's not intrinsically true. No. Like a, a leadership role is really a servant's role. Right. You know, when it's done well. Yeah, Like for the, sure. the role of the samurai is the servant of the emperor, mm-hmm. right? And if in this case, if the emperor is jujitsu or let's all get good at jujitsu together or, or we're all accomplishing uh, a tribal task here. Yeah. Then, then you have to serve that task, not serve your own power as the leader. Right, and I think that it was, it was easier for me because just the way that we initially set up our our relationship and our marriage, it was definitely that we were teammates. It wasn't one person was more important or that one person was more, you know, like it, it never was that way. And so we were always just teammates, and so. I was like, oh, you've gotten really obsessed with this thing. Like, teach me all the things that you know now. And yeah. so, you know, just like we do with our jujitsu teammates, it's like, oh, you've been really studying this one thing that you're really enjoying. Show me all the good stuff. Yeah, let you, know? you go do the research and development. That sounds right. you enjoy the research and development? Go. I'll take yeah, the results. Like, yeah. I'll just read the paper at the end. Yeah. You know? So it was easier because, like I said, we, we were walking 
side by side, yeah. you know? And so it was like, oh, cool. Just show me all the cool and, things. And one of us didn't start before the other one. Yeah. I think that's a really important part of the story here, right. too, so is that we, yeah. were, we were new together. Right. I think that is like a, a reason why women, you know, because a lot of men are like, how can I get my spouse to start? And, you know, I have a hard time answering that question because I'm like, I don't, I don't no, no. know. You're like, I got my spouse to start. Right. Well, I mean, but I don't know because like I was interested. It wasn't, I didn't have to drag somebody into it or that wasn't interested, you know. Um, but starting something and you're both on the same level, you know, we're both at zero. We're going to learn it together. And, and I just enjoy being around you. I do too. You know, so it's it's easy for me to want the interaction to go well. Mm-hmm. Like, I want you to be here. Yeah. And if I, you know, if I'm being a turd, that's, it's not easy for you to want to come back. You'd have to find a reason to come back. Right. You know, that's dumb. Right. That's a dumb way to be. So it just defer it. My general advice to pe- to people in any scenario is let the other person win. Don't say that though. But Don't go. No, no, like, I'm letting you win. Oh, no, that makes oh, me fired saying, yeah. up. I want like I feel fire in my chest. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's we can both win together that way. Right. That's that's the like I'm gonna listen. Listen. Here's the situation. I'm gonna win whether you win or not. Like not you necessarily, but yeah, you or the kids or the student or uh, an opponent or um, maybe not an opponent in a competitive like jujitsu sense, but like in a business sense, a competitor. Okay. Like, yeah, like listen, you, you're selling jujitsu in this town. Here's the situation. I'm going to win mm-hmm. because I'll do all the things necessary to win. That you won't do. I, I know that I'll do them. So, it's okay for you to win too. I'm going to build the biggest building in town. You build yours as big as you want. Mine's the biggest one though, Mm. you know, but you're allowed to win too. There's enough. Right. You know, and I think that just that approaching everything from that abundance mindset, no, there's enough, there's enough love in this situation for us both to win right here. Mm -hmm. There's enough um, money in, in the economy for us both to win right here. And I, I think approaching humanity in general with that, um, I guess, first principle, I think that allows me to, to win in, in those, in most any situation over the long term. I'm, I'm after the long, the long con, you know, it's a long game for me and and what, if it's worth approaching at least, if it's not going to be a long game, okay, can I win it real quick? No. (laughs) then it's probably not, I'm not going to spend my time on it. Yeah. But if it's worth me investing years and and stress and life into, then I'll just do the things that are going to help me win in the long run. Yeah. And if you can win along the way, that's good too. And if you and listen, if you want to win in the long run, how about we both get on the train together? I'm going this way. You can win too. Come on. Mm-hmm. You know? So anyway, I don't even remember what the question was. I love to just talk. hear myself talk. <laughs> good Lord. <laughs> Good thing we got this. Good good thing Brandon and Lindsay have a podcast now. Um, All right, let's do one more question. And then we'll stop. Una más. My soon. Hmm. Where do we want to go from here? Like I said, I can't read that. Do one more. One more. Um, 
Uh, you know what? There's just a there's like forty, and I'm having trouble picking one. <laughs> I'm the worst. Okay, here we go. This is a good one. We'll close with this one. This is Leave It to Seavers. Uh-huh. That's just a good name. Yeah. Hardest belt and the belt that put you through the most trials mentally. Mm. I know my answer, but you go ahead first. Um, well, since I'll let you think about it. Yeah. I'll, I'll go first. Purple belt, for sure, for me. Um, was We started the, the 10th planet here in Decatur when I was a pretty fresh blue belt. And by pretty fresh, I mean I just got it. Um, and so... We'd already been training for like two years, two or three years when you got it. I can't it. remember exactly. But, um, yeah, so there was no other jujitsu in town, right? I was learning from Eddie when I could, Alder a lot at that time, Chris Herzog a ton at that time, mm-hmm. and then just study, 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 and train every day, train every day. Just, you know, the typical obsessed white belt, blue belt, phase right Right. and you know how it is at blue belt you start to gain a couple of powers your superpowers are growing but it's like being a little kid Mm -hmm. you know it's like white belt that you're a infant blue belt you're a little kid elementary school yeah you you understand how to yeah elementary school kid purple belt's like being a teenager Mm -hmm. where you have some of the character like you could do things grown-ups can do watch this i'm strong watch this yeah Oh, watch this. I can jump higher than you, old person. Yeah. Or, or no, no, I could just stay up all night. Like, you could do things that an adult can do. Some things you could do better than an adult can do. You're a teenager. You're full of steroids, you know? <laughs> but you're still a little kid. Right. And so you're getting, you know, rules put on you. And I'm not allowed to use, play PlayStation at, anymore. And I got to make these grades. So you're in this... You're in both worlds at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you got some fledgling superpowers. So I went through all of those things that we all go through as a blue belt and purple belt, like all those natural pressures that come with growing in a thing. Mm-hmm. But I also had the added pressure of I was representing 10th planet and I, and I was representing my students and I had to still, I still was having to prove just like any purple belt. I'm having to prove to myself these things that I don't know about myself yet. Like I'm tough. I'm a winner. I know how to go compete. Yeah. It's a, all those and things at you this always, point, you were the only 10th planet in, in the, the Southeast and Southeast. the whole Southeast. Yeah. And so I'm having all those normal things, but also with the added pressure that mostly was created for myself. Um, but still real mm-hmm. of no, no, I'm representing something larger than myself also. And so that created this, um, and I see it happen to every, almost everybody at Purple Belt. Like, I don't, the ego was, of course, there, but it, it hyperinflated the ego where I had to like flex more than I should have had to flex at Purple Belt. Mm-hmm. And so that would stretch into my, that was into my jujitsu, obviously, my physical jujitsu but it stretched into some of my personal interactions as well. And I didn't always handle um, coaching in the best way at that time or setting up others. Mostly because, honestly, I just didn't know. 
Yeah. Just a purple belt. What do I know? You're, right. you're at purple belt. You're not listen dude. I hate to break it to you. You still suck at purple belt. You're still just a teenager, you know? So anyway, um, I had a lot of things that I had to prove to myself still that I needed to know. Like, no, Brandon, you aren't a quitter. Because mm-hmm. you know, if, if you stop before black belt, you're a quitter. Yeah. Right? It, it, it doesn't mean you're a bad person, but you did quit. Yeah. Okay. So well, I still got to learn that. But I'm still leading you. Not right. you necessarily. But, well, you. But I'm still leading you guys. Right. And I'm still representing Eddie. And I still don't even know these things about me yet. And so for me... The hardest belt had very little to do with skill set. I was smashing people at purple belt. I was a good purple belt. Mm-hmm. But psychologically, I was still developing. You know, mm-hmm. I was still I still had a lot to learn about me. And that made purple belt very stressful. I felt like I had so much pressure on me all the time. And it made competing hard. Mm-hmm. It made competing this big event for me, which it shouldn't have ever been. And so I had to learn to get I had to break through that too which is a lot of what happened, what Brown Belt was all about. Um, Brown Belt was hard, but it was totally different reasons. Yeah. You know, and then Black Belt's been awesome. I I love Black Belt. (laughs) Well, so for me, the Purple Belt was when you were like, all right, Lindsay, you have to roll more. Um, and so, like, that was my struggle. And especially in the the climate that we had, it was you roll with everybody. You roll every round, and you roll with everybody. So it was so – that mindset was a little scary at the time because, you know, just this little tiny girl, purple belt, you know. And so guys would come in and be like, oh, well, I can kill a purple belt, not tell anybody that it was a girl. <laughs> so – um so, yeah, rolling more at purple. Brown was, like, finding that killing stroke. And actually, like, the struggle that I'm with right now in Black Belt, which I, I don't think a lot of people would expect, would be, like, I'm actually struggling more with my ego than with anything else because of the... Interesting. Tell me more. Okay, because um, I want to do jujitsu until I'm... 60 or what however long I can and so I'm like okay well my body you know is deteriorating my knees have arthritis like so you are gonna have to figure out um you know if you really want to do jujitsu for a long period of time then you're gonna have to chill some aspect so like you can't roll 10 rounds as hard as you can every time you train so uh I have to reconcile when I do like four or five and then I still feel good and I have to make myself go sit on the sideline, you know, with everybody that's done training, but you know, and then you see somebody sitting over there that's a really good fun role and you still feel good, you know, and I'm like, man, that would be so much fun. And we're both just sitting here. I could be rolling with that person. And so it's a struggle to preserve my body, you know, or also learning within the role, maybe I'm reaching too much or I'm pushing too much or I'm using too much strength. Is that going to be sustainable 
for my goal set. So I'm having to, yes, I know I can push this person off me and I can get out of this situation, but is this, you know, the game that I want to have for 20 more years? Yeah, I can do it today. Right. Can I do it five years from now? To the same person in the same circumstance. So it's all mental now. It's it's me fighting with my own, you know, with my own brain, my own thoughts. So. Yeah, at, at Black Belt, what I find, and the role that I have at Black Belt at least, is that I want to develop a jujitsu that I can give to you, like, mm-hmm. and that will benefit you. You, it's not my job to make you tough. Like you're, you're either going to get tough or you're not. And if you don't, then you're not going to make it right. But I, it's not my job to beat you until you're tough enough to take a beating. Right. My job is to give you these, this knowledge set and to give you an atmosphere in which the beatings don't hurt anymore. Does that make sense? I have to create a culture in which you crave those beatings or you're not going to, or you're not coming back tomorrow. Yeah. Cause you get beat up for a long time. You never stop getting beat up. Like that doesn't, that doesn't stop. Oh man. When I'm a black belt, I'll, uh, no, 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 no. They're going to try to kill you. They'll go harder. <laughs> oh, uh, Brandon's 40 blood in the water. I'm going to try to take him out. Like, I got some guys roll harder with me than they, and I'm talking about like some of the real ones. They're like, oh, maybe I can get him now. I couldn't get him a couple of years ago, but maybe I can get him now. I'm getting good. He's getting 40. Right. (laughs) And so I have to have a jujitsu that meets that intensity and defeats it softly. Yeah. That's what I'm striving for. And, and I feel that the, the training methods that I've developed for myself, particularly for my own self yeah. and for my schedule and for my goal set, that I'm accomplishing that. Yeah. And I think I'm getting better and better. But and better. implementing that, how many times did you lose just impl- trying my to first, figure out? My yeah. first year at Black Belt when I decided that this was the real goal. Like, this is the long-term goal. Now, I, I reached Black Belt. That was the goal, right? Mm. Oh, my God, I made it. And I, I walked around for a while lost. Like, well. What's next? I did. I did it. Yeah. Now what am I supposed to do? I Get, did that, too. And so when I decided, no, no, I'm not going to just be a Black Belt. You know, and I kind of always knew that. going to be an awesome Black Belt. I'm going to be the Black Belt. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be the one to go and... I'm going to be your your jujitsu Buddha eventually. Not at 40. I got 20 years of learning s- still in front of me. Mm-hmm. But that's where I'm going, right? And so because of that, I have to do things differently on the mat. And I want to be able to give you a jujitsu that you can use and implement and that not just will make you a more effective with your self-defense or, or be able to tap people or win competitions, but whatever it is that you seek to do, I want to give you a jujitsu that enhances that. Mm-hmm. And so that even if you come through my gym for two, you get to blue belt and then you move on to the next thing in life because it just wasn't what you wanted. Whatever you move on to next, 
I want the things that you learned here to improve that part of your life as well. So, I don't know. Again, I just rant. No, I mean, you talk about, like, once you know how to learn a thing, then you know how to learn anything. Yeah. So, yeah. Once you see the way broadly, you see it in all things. Yeah. That's it. We're closing with Musashi right there. All right. You have anything you want to tell the people? Mm, No, I'm having fun. Next Thursday, Brandon and Lindsay have a podcast now. Yeah. Now we really do. Because we have two. Because now we really have a podcast. (laughs) Okay. uh, We're going to do it every Thursday. That's the plan. If I'm out of town or whatever, then then we'll we'll dump that one or maybe do it on a different day. But Thursday's at 10. That's when we're going live. Central. 10 Central. Yeah, Central time. So if you guys have got questions, please feel free to to send them out to us. The best way, if you want to get them read, is to – to do exactly the way you did it today, uh, where, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> Brandon Denton commented in. <laughs> What's up, Denton? Finish this sentence, Tybo and question mark. Tybo. You just get to finish it with whatever word you want. Billy Blanks. Tybo and claymation. I don't know. Yeah. What's it supposed word. to be? I don't yeah, know. it was supposed to be silly. <laughs> What's up, Denton? That, uh, that dude's one of the most incredible musicians ever. Definitely in North Alabama. He's maybe one of the premier musicians. He's got some pretty cute babies, too. Yeah. I got those chunky cheeks. So, anyway, Thursdays, 10. Follow on Instagram. Don't forget the PGF. We didn't even talk about the PGF. But Friday. Friday, 6 Central, right? Yes. 7 Central. 7 Central. Sorry. You guys are going to be blown away, I promise. And watch McDojo Podcast right before that. Yep. 3.30, I think, is when that one goes on. All right, we're out. Get into the Fantasy League.